There's an old hill on a good solid hike up past my mother's property. That hill was cleared out by a logging company years ago, and now the trees are starting to grow back. But in the middle, on the very top of that hill, lies a place those loggers would not touch. It's a graveyard. Belonging to a black family who inherited that land years after they were given their freedom from slavery. The only headstones in there are the ones from the latest members who died in old age. But if you stand alone in there long enough, listen to the wind, let your eyes start to focus, you will begin to see the sunken-in areas of the unmarked, uneven graves of slaves who have been there for much, much longer. One of the newer, easier-to-spot graves with a headstone and a name, it's been desecrated. Somebody tried to dig it up, but gave up before they reached the body, so there's this giant hole where the earth should be. Even in death, these people continue to be disrespected. You're listening to Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. This will be a special edition. I'm steering away from the usual subject matter, and I'll be addressing racism in the light of all that's happened. Join me and let's talk. We can't forget that America was founded on white supremacy. Over half the people who signed the Declaration of Independence were slave owners, and they had their own business-related reasons for starting their own nation here. And those businesses were highly dependent on slave labor. We didn't have big machines and tools making field work any easier back then. And human hands had to be at work day and night in order to crank out that much product. Now let me read you an excerpt from Vice President Alexander Stevens from the Confederacy. This is from his Cornerstone speech, and this is 1861. Our new government is founded upon, yada, 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 I'm not going to read the whole thing, the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition. Just let that sink in for a minute. Schools don't teach the truth about African enslavement. Most kids don't know the real reasons behind why the Civil War was fought. I had to learn what was really going on from reading stories from slave narratives, which are collections of personal recounts from former slaves in America. It was heartbreaking to read those stories. I'd grown up believing in this nonsense that the North, all the way up into New York, was all about abolition and stood as some safe refuge for runaways back in the 1800s. And this was not true. Any runaway slave who made it to New York or any other northern state was immediately arrested and sent back to their slave owners down south. If he or she was lucky, they ran into a true abolitionist who kept them hidden until they could gain their freedom. This was a movement, a protest. These people were constantly fighting day and night for the freedom of black Americans. They were rebels. They got in trouble. 
They had to work in hiding, in secret. They had to stay low-key and do most of their work behind the scenes, as this is not something that happened overnight, or got the support of the general public that easily. We choose what we remember from history, which really fogs up people's perceptions of the state of racism today. Now, last week when I was trying to soothe some tension by reminding everybody that not everyone in the world has gone insane and that intelligent people stay quiet and don't make impulsive, destructive decisions, I did not mean that there was never a time to speak up. When I said that, I was talking about the ludicrous violence that was happening in response to the coronavirus. But what's happening now is incredibly important. If there was ever a time to let people hear your voice, it's right now. But impulsive, violent, destructive actions are not the same thing as a voice, as justice. When we all jump on that violent bandwagon and get this impulsive mob mentality going on, Innocent people die by the thousands. Do you think George Floyd would have wanted to see people killing innocent families and burning people's businesses to the ground who had nothing to do with what happened? Is that really going to help things out? I get the anger. I get it. I understand that we're all feeling angry, and it's good that we're feeling angry about this. You should feel angry. But harness that anger and drive it in the correct direction. Don't shoot innocent people. Don't burn someone's barely successful hair salon to the ground and take food out of her children's mouths because you're mad. That's not where the anger needs to go. That's racial revenge, and it always backfires. Don't trust that government officials and authority is going to keep allowing us to use our rights to protest. I see the patterns. I've seen this before. I see what's coming. This is going to get worse, and you're going to get hurt if we don't redirect this fast. We have been suffering isolation from each other now for months. People have been nervous and scared. People have lost their jobs from being laid off from the coronavirus. People are on the edge of losing their homes because they can't pay their rent. We have more poor people in America than financially stable ones. Domestic abuse situations are stretched to their limit right now because people are stuck with each other in close quarters. Not everybody can even walk outside into a front yard. People are already losing their businesses, much less having to cope with having one burned to the ground. This is making the violence surrounding George Floyd's death even more intense. This is chaos. We have entered into an era of chaos. While the chaos continues to feed off of itself, people who do not understand what it's like to be a black person in America can at least pause and show some sympathy, a willingness to stop and listen to the pleas and the pain of black men and women in this country without snapping right back at them with an argument to all the other injustices that are happening all over the world. Yes, humans treat each other like garbage. And there are horrible things happening to people all over the world. But to dilute that and whitewash what's happening right now with other issues is disrespect. Of course we don't want to hear it. We don't want to believe we're racist. It's ugly. 
It feels bad. But if nobody is willing to listen to the black community and take this seriously and stay focused on the issue at hand, this is never going to stop. We need to have a little sympathy. We are raised and trained to be racist individuals in this country. I lived down in New Orleans for five years. When I moved down there, I barely had any money. I rented a little shotgun house, just a shell. No stove, no fridge, no appliances. The back door was off its hinges. The front door didn't lock. One of the windows was busted out, and this was in a black neighborhood. I was the only white girl living on this street. These people all lived in similar houses. You'd move into a shell with nothing. Hot. There was no central air. And do you know the people in that community held me up? Helped me get something to cook my meals on? They brought me things I needed? They were giving. They invited me into their homes and gave me food and a place to stay out of the heat until I was able to find a working air conditioner. And these men and women had to teach me how to not act like a racist, because I was, and I didn't even know it. I would notice someone's race and behave differently. I would go out of my way to come off syrupy, sweet, over-the-top, abnormally nice to, to black men and women, like they couldn't detect that ridiculous white guilt shining through like a beacon in the fog. I was still... Didn't matter if I was white, trash, impoverished, Appalachian from Moonshine Hills. I was still more privileged than a black person living in America. And that hit me hard. White people, we need to check ourselves, check our behavior, listen to when we offend somebody and make it right. I didn't pay attention to my reactions. If I got on a bus and a group of young black men surrounded me, I automatically tensed up and became nervous, which just sparked more disgust among those young men. And on the other side of it, these men were always on guard. They always had that energy of defense, which I picked up on. And that's how most young black men in America live their lives every day, constantly on edge, waiting and preparing for somebody somewhere to do some kind of injustice to them because they're black. And we all just feed off this energy and off each other, and racism jumps back and forth and back and forth, and it gets worse and worse. We're all paranoid and defensive. I was trained to be a racist, and it wasn't because I came from bad parents. It was because educational institutions... The nearly all-white church I went to, the segregation in the society around me, trained me to behave that way from the time that I was a little girl. And I'm ashamed to admit to this day that I have trouble with those deep-seated habits when I'm in public. It's hard to get away from it. But we have to get away from it. We have to talk about it. And the first thing we have to do is realize our own egos as white people Realize our own stubbornness and admit it. You can't change a habit until you admit that habit is there, and it's a problem. Most of us don't know the damage we're doing to other people. Most of us don't get out of our own heads long enough to pay attention. And as a white woman, I do have a responsibility to say publicly, this is not okay. 
It's my responsibility to write letters and take some action and do something, anything, that will contribute to stopping inhumane treatment of black men and women in America. When it gets this bad and white people don't say anything, white people are saying it's okay. Celebrities have more influential power in this country than most politicians do. And so this falls upon them too. Whether we like it or not, the responsibility to make it clear that the continuing murders and mistreatment of black men and women in America by authorities does fall upon those with more power to do so, and that's white people, and that's celebrities, and that's anyone who's got a stake in mass media. Now let's talk about mob mentality. It's usually a problem. People get emotional. They jump on some bandwagon that's usually headed for a brick wall at 120 miles an hour. It ends up with a bunch of people unable to direct their anger through the right channels, and it ends up in destruction. It's a train wreck. But imagine what we could do if we could take that mob mentality and use it for good. Turn it around. It's always going to be there, bandwagon jumping. Imagine what we can do with that if we back off the egos a little bit, take the anger we feel, and channel it in the right direction, in a constructive direction, in a more logical plan to get things done and get things changed. The power of the written word is strong. Hard copy letters and petitions work. You word them the right way, you deliver them to the hands of those they need to get to, and they work. Emails are okay, but they get lost too easy. Just getting online and speaking, it works. Making music about it works. People listen, and all of a sudden, the Internet is flooded with these songs, these letters, stories, these speeches, these declarations, news articles, until we have made it absolutely clear to each other that we do love and we do support each other. Look what's happening all over social media right now, and it's slowly starting to sink in. It's pulling those people who never speak up out of the shadows to speak up. Don't discourage anybody who's trying, even if it's a small, teeny, tiny effort. Encourage that. Build that up. You gotta start somewhere. And enough of this, it has a tremendous influence on politics, on the economy, in the labor circuit, in the way a country runs. If enough of America's population is giving authorities a clear message, emotionally composed and organized, it will be received. And that composure and organization can absolutely come from anger and emotion. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is a way to get emotional and still get things done without causing more damage. You don't have to be a machine. You're not a machine. Anger is a very good emotion to have in light of current events. But it's a very powerful one. And it's sometimes hard to calm down and know how to use in the right way. Our objective here should be to help more people, not hurt them, and take mass revenge and start another civil war. We don't need another war. We have enough. We have enough hate, disrespect, apathy. We have too much emotional distance, too much distrust, and too much segregation. 
Segregation is a terrible thing. We've spent lifetimes being afraid of looking each other in the eye, avoiding humane contact with people because we're afraid some poor person's going to beg from us or someone of the opposite gender is going to accuse us of something we didn't do or some black man's going to steal from us. We don't put any effort into getting to know anybody outside of our safe little protected circles. When I moved out of New Orleans and went to New York City, I thought I was prepped and ready. I wasn't going to act like a racist anymore. But you know what? I got to New York, and it was the most segregated place I'd ever lived in my entire life. I was used to mingling down in New Orleans, race, gender, even financial class. They're all mixed up together down there. But New York City was a different animal. And I tried to be what I learned to be down in New Orleans, but it was hard. People up there didn't make it easy, and so I fell right back into my old patterns because everybody was acting according to their upbringing in very segregated neighborhoods. And no matter who you are, it's easy to end up following along with that mentality when you're absolutely immersed in it. I have never seen an example of a life lived in segregation grow up without having some kind of social issue, whether that be anxiety, distrust, or some high degree of racism. If we look the other way and go into a state of egocentric denial when something like this happens, we're just going to fuel that chaos that's going on and we're going to end up in that train wreck. Right now, there are black-owned businesses being burned to the ground by black protesters. There are civil service people like firemen and emergency medical workers being blocked from helping people who need help. There are people with government jobs in the public sector, like postal workers, who were getting attacked and their property destroyed, and they had nothing to do with what happened. I know there are people in this country who want a war right now, and they're ready to start it. And that is the anger that we need to redirect. What it takes to redirect that anger is enough of us willing to speak up and talk and sympathize and listen and do what we need to do instead of letting this all fall into the hands of those who are so far beyond emotional to calm down right now. That's a strong emotional reaction. It's understandable and it's hard to get away from once you get going. We need to listen in mass, in large numbers. We need to sympathize and show our understanding and at the same time lift our voices Give guidance. Write those letters. Write your chief of police. Write your police commissioner. Write your mayor. If enough people do it, they will pay attention. You can start petitions, write newspapers, attend town hall meetings. You can start youth groups dedicated to guiding and, and teaching children to grow up together, learn sympathy, talk to each other, teach them the truth, work on ending racist behaviors. You can start fundraisers that help already established activist groups who are knee-deep in their own grassroots campaigns right now. Activism is actively making an effort to change people's minds. When you change minds, you change social norms. You change laws. We also don't have to wait on government agencies and people in power to change things. 
We can put our money together and start community fundraisers for neighborhoods, for children and families in need all the time. What is this idea that we have to wait on someone in power to tell us where to put our money, our resources, and our efforts? Social norms thrive when everybody agrees with them. That means that we can change them. We can make them better, more humane, by publicly agreeing together that the treatment of George Floyd and others like him will not be tolerated. It changes when we agree not to financially support authoritative agencies who let things like this happen. Money talks. Pull back your support. Investigate your city politicians. Call them out publicly. Get the media involved when they turn a blind eye to the mistreatment of black men and women in this country. We can all do more than just sit back and pretend that things like this don't happen. If you don't think it's ever going to affect you, you're wrong. One day it's going to find its way into your front yard too. I saw a kid on Instagram write, who was correctly angry, by the way. He writes, You people are getting mad over a business being burned up that can be replaced, but not a human being. Well, that's a loaded sentence, isn't it? That kid's pissed off, and he's got a right to be pissed off. We should all be more pissed off over a man dying than a business burning down. But then there's more to that than he's able to see in the fog of that anger, isn't there? That kid is assuming that anybody with a business is probably white, that they're probably well off enough to build it back up again. They can replace what got destroyed. But that's not really true. This could not have happened at a worse time. We're in a pandemic, and those quote-unquote business people are barely hanging on. Small business owners in 2020 are nothing more than hustlers. And to lose everything they've got during a pandemic that's already taken a toll on the economy is going to send them straight into poverty. There's no replacing. It's an added problem to this mess. We're adding things onto this chaos. It's making people even more desperate, more scared, more willing to make irrational, impulsive decisions. And that is more violence. We're all responsible for the direction that this is headed in right now. We can either work to help each other get back up and get back on track, talk to our city politicians, teach our kids how to be sympathetic and better to each other, or we can continue to burn each other's stuff up and shoot each other in the back. Everybody knows that there's a high degree of anger and that we don't want this. That statement has been clearly made. Now we need to pull that war charge back a little bit and direct it towards making something good come out of this. George Floyd needs to be remembered for making a change, making a change for good, for forcing America's eyes to open and to start treating black men and women in America with respect. Please give his death that honor. This has been Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. My deepest thanks to supporters Chris Nolan, Bruce Presson, and Sheila McGregor. 
please be good to one another, and I'll talk to you guys again next week. <laughs>